0: You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast, sex and relationship advice you can use tonight.
1: Welcome to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. I'm your co-host, Brandon Ware, here with my lovely partner, Dr. Jess.
2: Hey, hey.
1: Think I'll ever stop calling you Dr. Jess? Just Jess?
2: It's kinky for you to to call me Dr. Jess.
1: I'm going to roll with it. Yeah.
2: You know, at the dinner table, you can call me Jess, but in bed, I want doctor.
1: Sure. No problem.
2: And i like you to say, yes, doctor. Yes, doctor. (laughs) No doctor. Okay. More doctor. (laughs) More doctor. stop, stop. Stop. (laughs) Before we get started, a big thank you to our sponsors, Desire Experience. Check them out. Clothing optional cruises, clothing optional adult-only resorts on the Mayan Riviera at Desire Experience. Today, we have the pleasure of being joined by clinical sexologist and immersive healing artist, Nikki Morgan, thanks for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. I've been reading about your work. I've been hearing about it through the grapevine. You offer an experience called the touchless orgasm. I do. I do. Now, I've been in a touchless car wash, and that's really cool.
1: <laughs> I think in high school I might have had a touchless orgasm, <laughs> if, if you're allowed that your soap boxers count.
2: <laughs> Did you really? <laughs> no,
1: n- no, probably close, though.
2: Yeah? <laughs> oh, wow. Now, as much as I like the touchless car wash, mm-hmm. I can't imagine that it compares to the touchless <laughs> orgasm. So can you walk us through what this experience looks like from
0: the get-go. Sure, sure. Uh, What it looks like, uh, it doesn't look like much, right? So it just looks like someone is laying down in front of me and I'm waving my hands over them and sometimes their bodies convulse, sometimes uh, they just let go, sometimes they get very vocal. It's, It's as numerous as orgasms in general. Um, But what's actually happening behind the scenes is, uh, one, I am assisting them in uh, silencing their corporal body. Uh, And I am working from the space of, we come from pleasure, we come from absolute love, we come from infinite. So when we silence the observation of our physical, then we are able to access other and other is so much more, <laughs> um, and so some people have experiences of uh, leaving their body. Um, sometimes, and and it's not. Um, by no means do I give the orgasm. I only allow or assist in, in, in helping them to observe the other. So if there is uh, lots of trauma. Um, they'll be able to know exactly where that trauma lies in their body we can identify it and they have the choice of surrendering to it or we can take a break and return to it but ideally that universal energy that we all share the thing that animates us um, when we allow ourselves to surrender to that uh, it it allows for waves of, um, of pleasure and, and oneness and you know some very psychedelic experiences.
2: <laughs> and so is it just you in the room? Walk us through the entire experience. Uh,
0: so it is just me in the room when it's a private session. Um, and touchless orgasm is one of the modalities that I use in my clinical work. However, uh, when you see me touring um, with Punani Poets, um, or sometimes I'll do it during touch, uh, during orgasmic day away, or any one of the immersive events, um, then it can be a room of 200 people, 300 people, and I will call one or two volunteers up, and because there are more people, the activity is a bit different because we all share atoms, we are all made of atoms, so if there is a kink in the vibration in the room, then it will affect the orgasm. So it's optimal that everyone in the room is calm, feels good, feels feels flow before this person that has volunteered is brought to full body orgasm. So it is, it is a completely one experience. And, you know, I've been able to... Uh, you know, I just did a show.'re um, we're, we're gonna do a show on Silver Spring, but the silver S- last Silver Spring show we did in Maryland, uh, there were uh, there were two couples that were fighting in the room. and um, and I could feel that. So we had to stop the show. I had to walk over to them see how they were doing and get them to kind of release some of that tension so that we can then share that energy in the room again so that we were able to get the uh, the orgasmic results that we're looking for
2: and so is there any sound in the room you said that you're moving your hands over them without mm-hmm. touching can you describe the rest of the process
0: sure absolutely uh, So. I do feel much of it out if I know that there. If I feel like the person's mind uh, is moving around a bit, then I'll assist uh, by using some sound like drumming, something that might be like shamanic drumming or something that can be very monotonous. Or um, if they have a lot of tension in their body, um, then there might be some kind of relax music or um, or sometimes singing bowls. Um, You know i use i use all the tools i use all the tools but it really just depends on the person however when it's a large group i use all the tools and i do curate that for them
1: so just because i have never seen this or or Mm -hmm. seen you perform when you're when you're facilitating this is the person are they fully they're fully clothed
0: oh yes they're fully clothed
1: and they're having this full body orgasm in front of potentially a couple of hundred of a couple hundred people?
0: That's correct. Wow. Yeah.
1: And they there and I'm a, is it primarily women or people with vulvas? Uh
0: it's primarily women that will volunteer. Mm-hmm. Um but what I find in my work s- for the last 15 years is that uh, the women tend to share more in the groups and the men tend to reach out uh, individually um, to speak on more vulnerable situations. However, when we're in those um, those rooms where there are hundreds of people, I do still get male volunteers and they do come up.
1: And the the process, how long does it take? Like how long could it take?
0: So the longest it's taken me, about 15 minutes. The shortest, mm, maybe like, 40 seconds that person came primed (laughs) there was some good flow they're like i am in the right headspace
2: do you give them instructions are they supposed to breathe a certain way are they supposed to visualize could you give us a little example of if i were lying down what you would say to me Mm,
0: okay yes uh so optimally i'd want you to be aware of your body so I might bring you through uh, your toes and your knees and your ankles, and and just make sure that you know if there's any tension anywhere in the body that we ask that part of our bodies to release that. Um, we. Our subconscious lives in our physical bodies, so when we are able to just address it right away, um, it, we're we're already ahead of the game. Um, breathing, breath is important. Breath is important in everything we do, um, and as human beings, sometimes we get so distracted we forget to take full breaths. You know, animals breathe full, fully, and you mm. become more aware when you breathe fully. So, um, so yes, I just ask them to take full breaths, which is something that we need to do anyway. Um, or I recommend that we do you can breathe however you wish (laughs) Um, and uh, I do I do suggest that they get as comfortable as they would like so if there are things that are restraining their wrists, their ankles, their ears whatever it might be um, then I do ask them to remove it Um, and if they want to be stark naked then that's completely fine Um, the idea is that uh, there is absolutely no judgment in this space and I do teach people how to do it, um, but the way I do it when it comes to, uh, in a clinical space, you do need to be able to hold, uh, you need to hold space as a vessel and as a non-judgmental vessel because sometimes I may get um, visions of things that people are going through or, or judgments that they have of themselves or things they may have gone through and if you yourself have Uh, have a judgment on that then you no longer become a vessel and then it becomes more challenging to help move that energy to bring them to uh, that blissful space that they're looking to um, access
2: and when you have folks with penises are they having an orgasm with ejaculation without ejaculation does it depend on the experience in the person
0: Mm. so uh, um, thank you for asking that question that is really wonderful because uh, it Folks with penises, or just in general, um, there tends to be an understanding that um, orgasm and ejaculation are one and the same, which is by far not the case. So, um, the penis owners that do happen to come onto my table are um, they do not ejaculate. Uh, There may be some pre ejaculate that may happen, um, but that can happen. just any thoughts that you may have or you know so
2: yeah I think that's an important distinction because oftentimes we associate penile orgasms with ejaculation but they're distinct processes so ejaculation is the expulsion of fluid from the penis via the urethra and orgasm is the experience of overwhelming pleasure often accompanied by a feeling of release mm-hmm. and orgasmic contractions mm-hmm. in the pelvic floor maybe yes. in the anus mm-hmm. and you can learn to have what we call dry orgasms yes. so there are people who have dry orgasms because of retrograde ejaculation and that's more oftentimes if there's a, a valve m- malfunction and so that's a separate issue but those who want To have dry orgasms often have multiple orgasms Mm -hmm. more intense orgasms Mm -hmm. is that
0: something you talk and teach about oh my gosh yes thank you dr jess (laughs) oh i love you so much yes these are extremely important parts of my work um i I, my work is not approached via gender at all so i really do work to show people that um, when we are able to access those multiple orgasms and however it is, it is found, and, and the machinery is just whatever you're born in, right? Um, you, you start to shift even perspective on, you, you start to understand abundance differently. You start to understand time differently. Um, your inner critic uh, really takes a back seat when you're able to learn how to use it strategically. Um, and then that's where, uh, healing really begins and, and even beyond healing. But then when you get to play with it in the world, oh my, we are such magical creatures, you know, and it's only magical because we, uh, have not been visiting some of the things that, um, that we're talking about here. So, uh, so yes, um, uh, this is something that absolutely, um, I, I use and, it requires us to unlearn and relearn ourselves. So that's, that's where I am with that. <laughs>
2: now you work with orgasm as a healing modality with your clients. I do.
0: What does that mean? Let me start with what we're used to. What we're used to uh, is Orgasm being something that it feels really great, and it's great for release, and you know we drop everything and we and we rearrange everything to make sure that we get that right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and because we tend to lean towards immediate gratification um, in the West. Uh, it doesn't allow space always to explore a little bit more of what orgasm can do. Um, so when you start to think about what orgasm does to the body, right? It, when, when, you, when you approach orgasm, um, it has very similar uh, results that meditation has, um, except it's far more potent. Uh, it silences the frontal lobe which means that it shuts down your fear, which is a massive thing, right, around the world (laughs) that we have an issue with, fear. So it silences the inner critic, and the inner critic is part of our ego, right? And I know we always discuss about killing our egos, but our ego is what helps us to to understand that I am me, you are you, that is the tree. And when you kill the ego, everything and all of what we all of what we are um floods in and so it dissolves everything so um it feels really great for that moment when you touch orgasm, because it allows you the other observation. In orgasm, you're not thinking about the dishes. You're not. You're not thinking about the faces. You're not. You're not thinking about. Um, you know how much noise you might be making at that moment, right? Or the state of the world or, or any n- of our nothing, other concerns. Nothing. Yes. Right. And so when you when you return from that uh, that ocean <laughs> of infinite, you know you you feel good. You feel you feel relaxed. You know. Um, so what I. I've done is um, just taken a series of exercises and understandings and made it really, really practical for us to be able to walk through some of these things so that we can learn how to extend our experience in orgasm to a point where we can allow it to be transcendent. Um, And the results that we get from it allows us to visit certain traumas and face them. And decide, even if we can't verbalize it, when we feel what that trauma is in that transcendent orgasm, you have the choice of allowing your body to relax in that moment to say, I wanna surrender more. I wanna surrender more. And so, and what I call that is pleasure capacity. Um, you know, so we're stretching that. So think about it like, uh, if you've ever engaged with a partner and they're doing something, you could just tickling, for example, and um, and and the tickle becomes so much that it becomes almost painful, and you're like, okay, okay, I have to stop. All right, so let's stop there. However, the machinery that you're built with, you know, if you are able to use certain um, certain techniques, it allows you to stretch uh, your capacity for that, and so we do that in orgasm.
2: So how do you extend that pleasure capacity?
0: Oh, well, that's the class that you gotta take.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and it involves, is it breath work, is it energy work, it's, is it physical it's all, it. It's,
0: it's all of it, it's all of it, it's all of it. You know, a lot of my clients, when we have these classes or these workshops, they end up leaving crying because there's, there's a truth, an innate truth that happens inside that you remember you know, and then once you remember that it, it opens everything up. So yes, it has its breath work. Yes. It's, it's, it's stretches. Yes. It's, um, it's speaking certain words. It's, it's taking certain understandings of what you know in the world, what you're so positive of in the world and flipping it like where you're like, Oh, that doesn't make any sense. Why have I been doing this my whole life? Oh my gosh, what is going on? (laughs) So, you know, um, dealing with orgasm and and sexuality for that matter because they're not the same and orgasm does not have to be sexual um unless you're me and you think everything is sexual (laughs) a hamburger (laughs) don't get me started with food and sexy piece of meat (laughs) you just a side note on that How you approach your because we because this is physics this is physics y'all you know we're talking about fractals right we are nature so even how you approach your food how you order your food how you eat your food how you decide to share your food shares everything about who you are in the bedroom (laughs) what kind of leader you are (laughs) you know i mean are you a secret keeper whatever it is it says so much Again, it's all fractals. It's the, the information is there. The information is, has always been there. The, I'm not doing anything new. This is not magic. I'm just sharing information that we already know. We just, for some reason, compartmentalize so much and then add the traumas in, so it creates all these boundaries in our minds that we don't think to connect any of them.
2: And so much of it has to do with our discomfort with our own bodies. And you do work to help people become more comfortable with their bodies. You Ugh. do some nude escapes or nude retreats. Nude retreats. <laughs> Tell me about those.
0: I do, I do. So um, uh, that and nudity is a large part of my work. Um, uh, every year, we um, I do every year I do body positive beach day, and I welcome everyone who wishes to enjoy the beach um, in the northeast. Uh, to come and um, this year will be the first year uh, we'll be doing it in Georgia um, and we'll be doing it at Nudist Spa and um, you know before I started doing these new days um, I would do this mirror exercise and um, you know even sometimes I mean before I started getting um, venues I would do it in my apartment I would have a long mirror it would be a bunch of us and out of all of the workshops I've ever done, the mirror exercise is always the hardest. And people standing in front of the mirror, I just say, okay, get as comfortable as you'd like. Now I want you to get a little bit more uncomfortable. And then I want you to identify the things that you love about yourself. And then what happens is you can start to understand where your own traumas are, because you're speaking out loud, and you're saying, hey, you know, I love my shoulder, I love, you know, and you're talking about these things, and then all of a sudden you say, oh, you know, and this scar, oh yeah, this scar was really bad, and then, oh, and you know, and then, and you know, oh, and, and my my breast betray me because I had breast cancer, and, you know, and then you go on to a tangent that you, forgot that you were saying the things that you love about yourself, right? So then it allows us to filter what's going on. Um, so it teaches, us, it teaches us how to observe ourselves and, and say, hey, you know what, my legs take me places. My fingers pick things up. Oh my gosh, my eyes allow me to see so I don't have to keep walking into these walls. You know, like come on, you don't, you don't argue a tree and say this tree is prettier than this tree. <laughs> I mean, maybe you do, but you get what I'm saying? We, you know, it's, um, it's, just, it's, it's just programming. So allowing ourselves to deprogram that. And then there's also a layer of giving and receiving and understanding that part. So after, the, after we finish, then we turn to our audience, and um, we, and when we ask permission, are you ready to receive, right? And then, like popcorn style, and everyone will say the things that they love about that person. Oh, and that can also be extremely difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, Um,
2: Receiving compliments can be harder than giving compliments. Oh my gosh, yes. And it's such a contradictory world we live in. It's a culture in which you're supposed to love yourself and respect yourself and Mm. appreciate your body, yet there are messages at every turn telling you you are not right good enough right but I can sell you something that'll make you better exactly (laughs) that's in many ways where these messages are rooted right so when you do a, a nude day on the beach or at one of these retreats how do you help people to get comfortable? Do you have any advice for folks listening? Mm. If they would like to go someplace where they could be nude but they're not quite there yet, how do,
0: they, how do you become comfortable in your own skin? Mm. Oh my goodness, that's such a beautiful question. Uh, so, I was, from experience, um, the popular questions that I get before we get there because uh, I usually pre-prepare everyone. <laughs> um, penis owners, they'll say, "Well, what if I get an erection and everybody's gonna think I'm this person and all that shame, right, about having an erection?" Yeah. You know, even something like that. And um, so I actually address the whole. I address the whole, and I um, and I teach them about uh, an atom changes this behavior based on the observer. So. If you have an erection, um, rather than allowing yourself to crowd in, in in shame, you know, allow yourself to take some deep breaths, you know, be aware of it. Um, and I know that sometimes in the, it, it just, it really depends, that's why I have to be there with them. But when it comes to uh, very heightened moments where, you know, sometimes the trauma and the idea of, being confident in your body—it sometimes it can cause like burning sensations in your body, and you know you can't shut it off as easily as people say. So in that, there are physical activities um, that I give them. There are uh, there are pressure points that we use on our bodies to uh, to learn that relaxation. There are breathing techniques that we use to relax that, and then also there are safety buddies all around, you know, um, and we embrace. And also awareness of self, you know, and and we laugh about it, you know. So if you do have an erection and someone's sitting next to you, you know, don't go waving it around in their faces. You know what I mean? So, you know, it's it's a matter of um, awareness of self, awareness of your surroundings, um, awareness of giving, awareness of receiving. Um, You know, that's uh, that's that's what we deal with. That's what we deal with. And we have conversations. And and by the time we walk them through it. You know, everyone is fine. No one wants to leave. (laughs) It's a
2: lot less scary than you realize. So going into the the notion of being naked in a group Mm -hmm. for the first time, of course, is overwhelming. Brandon and I have spoken about it many times. And it's the number one question I hear from the folks with penises. What if I get hard? Yeah. Uh, Which is so interesting because when it comes to sexual experiences, they're always asking, what if I can't get hard? So there are (laughs) so many fears and it really speaks to how we define sexuality, how we define virility. Mm -hmm. But once everybody's naked, you actually feel more uncomfortable in clothes. So Mm -hmm. for example, you and I, the group we're with here in Atlanta, uh, there's a lingerie party tomorrow night. And I realized, oh, I didn't bring any lingerie. And in fact, I would be more uncomfortable going in in a regular dress because I would be out of place. So you might think, oh, that sounds intimidating to go to a lingerie party. Mm-hmm. But for me, I'd be more intimidated to go in my, my business dress yeah. that I'm wearing right now. Yeah. And so sometimes just talking through the shame yeah. can help to put it in perspective.
0: thousand percent.
2: And then I also think that it's good practice to be naked by yourself first. Mm-hmm. Because oftentimes we're nervous to be naked around others because mm-hmm. we're not even comfortable being naked on our own. And we have to undo all those messages okay. of shame Mm -hmm. and embarrassment Mm -hmm. and secrecy around the body. I'm so fascinated by the work you do. I don't know anyone else doing this work in the field of clinical sexology touchless orgasm i've heard of extended orgasm but from a different perspective where can people follow along
0: learn more and keep learning from you Mm. Uh, well my website is thetouchexperience.com and all my social media handles across platforms is at nikki experience which is n-i-k-k-i E-X-P-E-R-I-E-N-C-E, all one word, or touch experience, at touch experience. Um, Instagram, there's always imagery, Um, Facebook, you know, so yeah, reach out, definitely. Excellent.
2: Thank you so much for being here and sharing your, your experience with us. It's very interesting.
0: Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you for doing
2: this work. Ah, I love oh it. I can't, I can't complain. Yeah, <laughs> Can't complain. Thanks, Brendan. Thank you to you for listening. Uh, once again, check out at Desire Experience online as well, and we'll be linking to all the social handles mentioned today. We'll be back again next Friday with a new episode wherever you're at. I hope you're feeling great. You deserve to. Have a great one.